What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. NFL Trend Zone. I am your host, Dustin Baker, here with Jason Bowen, Wes Johnson, who's out in San Francisco. We come at you each Wednesday night. Maybe you listen to it on Thursdays or Fridays, but we talk about all the NFL apropos topics of the week. For instance, right now, boom, the overtime rules that came to fruition. There is a change specifically applicable to the playoffs. Today, out of nowhere, Bruce Arians says Sayonara, leaving Todd Bowles in charge for the Brady led Patriots. And then we're going to talk about other stuff like Seattle's planet quarterback, some of the, the trade stuff that's been floating out there all in a week's work for our crew on NFL trend zone. It's that time of year. This is uh, the bet online stuff. College basketball is all of the rage. The final four is upon us. If you're looking to wager on those games, look for all of your updated odds and information along with great contests at betonline.ag uh, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So just use this promo code when you get there. B-L-E-A-V. Believe. BetOnline is uh, your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'm convinced that the NFL uh, takes notes on our shows and drops us fantabulous, fantabulous storylines right as we're about to get on air because out of nowhere, the theme of the offseason, Bruce Arians is retiring. First Tom Brady retired, and then he Jordan Escalate unretired. Now Arians is walking away, setting up Todd Bowles for success, who was a uh, huge candidate in this coaching cycle. But now he just gets to, by the way, take over the Tom Brady-led team. Um, Arians takes up like an Elway-ish role where he's going to be a consultant or it's a promotion, but it's really not. I don't know what the deal is, but Wes, I'll start with you. I'm sure the Arians news when it hit your smartphone was like, wow, what the hell? Uh, does this change how you look at the 2022 bucks one iota? Uh, no, no, I, I think, uh, Tampa's in good hands with bowls. Um, they're getting him in there while the team is still good or has, you know, good players led by Brady. Um, you know, maybe 
Brady plays another year, maybe this is his swan song. But um, in any event, you know, they're setting bowls up for some sort of success to make a run with a, a team that's playoff worthy, that's championship worthy. And, um, you know, they can give it a go. Jason, give me your take on these bucks. Is anything, anything changed for you? No, I mean, just like Wes said, I mean, it doesn't change a thing. I don't think really. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I've always liked Arians. I don't, I'm not real sure why I liked him. Um, but I do. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy that this news dropped at like what eight at night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, this was only like an hour and a half ago <laughs> that I caught it. I mean, this, I mean, I was actually listening to another podcast of mine and, and I, I just, that happened. And when I first saw it, it was shared on Facebook by it with a screenshot. So I didn't pay it much attention. I thought it might've just been satire, but sure enough, I mean, they dropped that news at seven, eight at night. And, um, in like a half hour later, they came out with the news that they're, uh, basically reneging on uh bulls defensive coordinator contract and giving them a new five-year deal. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's a good move, a, a good organizational move for sure. Now, I mean, you think Arians is fit to, to be a, you know, in the front office. Um, that's great. Uh, Bowles, I think, is more than qualified to to take over at the head coaching position. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're they're in just as good a hands as they were. I don't think it changes anything, though. It's it's funny how uh, off air before we pressed uh, record here, we were lamenting defensive minded head coaches for the Vikings and Broncos that floundered in their final years. But now, when you have Tom Brady in town. You're like, well, hell yeah, he'll he'll pair wonderfully with a defensive minded head coach because he's basically the offensive coordinator. And yeah. with Bowles, uh, you know, you can't uh, assuming Brady doesn't hit that age related cliff. What a perfect life story here where you just get to start your uh, well, resume your head coaching career with Brady in the saddle. And I, I agree. I think everybody has thought Arians is pretty damn cool. Um, yeah. I know, I know Wes, uh, a lot of his worldly views align with you and ours. And like, for example, I think he cerebrally in a cerebral sense, in a tactical sense, he, uh, he's setting up a black coach for success. And I think he knew what he was doing, doing once Brady came back and says, uh, you know, there, there, there's not many of these in the league for some godforsaken reason. So I'll be damned if I'm not going to empower this guy to get his shot with the goat. And that's pretty cool. If you have the power to do that and you're ready to step away for whatever reason, I'm sure we'll figure out why he stepped away in the coming weeks. But yeah, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to say anybody that thinks Tampa's screwed. Yeah, I think yeah. it worked out actually real well, almost like it was the plan all along. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's funny that we were talking about the, you know, before the show about the the negative impacts that that the defensive coordinator or the defensive minded head coach can bring to a team. And, and, uh, unless you have like a Tom Brady and, and people forget that Belichick was, a, is a defensive minded coach. And mm-hmm. I, and I and I bring that up just because, you know, for the longest time as me and my two boys are watching football each and every weekend, I, they would hear me bitch constantly about <laughs> these coaches. And, uh, and I'd always salivate. I'd be, God, it'd be nice to have a, have a McVeigh or a, or a Lafleur or somebody like that. Um, Shit, even if he wasn't good, just somebody like that that I could look at. That, uh, but and then you know, and then like my Marcus would would occasion would sometimes mention, yeah, man, just think if we had like Bel- Belichick, 
And then I and I have to because I don't know that everybody knows that Belichick is a defensive minded coach. No, they don't. We don't. We don't even know what he does. No, I for, I, <laughs> I forget. I for I've, I've said this before. I think last summer on the show, I forget sometimes. Um, ultimately, it takes me about three seconds to remember him from the Parcells and Lawrence Taylor days. But he's been such a mastermind in terms of a scheme where some playoff games, they'll come and run the ball 40 times, 50 times. And then the next game, they'll throw it 50 times. And you got to think that, uh, well, you know, Belichick being Belichickian, that yeah, he's an offensive mastermind. No, he's just a mastermind. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Uh, yeah. It just so happens that his uh, pedigree is defense. And that's why they're always so solid on defense with seemingly guys that work at the grocery store. Yeah, I did. We just like, well, we don't have a defensive coordinator. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 don't even bat an eye. Like, well, that's fine. Like, what did the guy do anyway? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's an eternal mystery on, uh, like, does he need coordinators? That's how it's phenomenal. so awesome. Yeah. It's so, so good. You know, McDaniels will leave and he won't miss a beat. <laughs> right. Right. Um, all right, so let's pivot to the overtime rules. Uh, I didn't think that this would gain enough steam, but evidently twice in three playoff tournaments, this rule nipped teams that were really, really fun and exciting. So now, henceforth, in the postseason, no longer is it first touchdown scores in a college-esque move in the offensization of football. Now teams have an opportunity to match a touchdown. And I think it's something that we all can ultimately be like, yeah, this is fun. This is fair. Um, but I'm, I was always of the opinion that, you know, if you want to play a little defense, you can put this thing to bed. But I should have realized that that was going to fall by the wayside because every rule that changes now is to benefit players health and to benefit offensive proliferation fantasy football anybody so Wes this overtime rule mm-hmm. do you think that uh, we're, we're spoiled off of a fantastic playoffs where almost every game after the first Saturday was ultra competitive do you think that the new rules will make an impact right away and are they solved for good are, are they solved for good probably not <laughs> there's <laughs> always something about- Somebody's going to complain about. So, yeah, I, I, I highly doubt that that will be solved. Uh, are they good? Uh, I, I really don't know. Probably. Probably. I mean, I, I, who wouldn't have wanted to see, um, you know, 12 more minutes of Allen and Mahomes matching touchdown for touchdown, <laughs> um, which, you know, is what we got in the last uh three minutes and change in that game. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's probably better for the game. We'll create a, a more exciting finish in the playoffs and, um, you know, we'll see what the team elects to do, uh, who scores first. Do they go for two, um, to just gut the, uh, the team trying second or do they, they play it safe and, kick the field goal and hope that the the team they they're going up against doesn't you know uh go for two themselves so uh, there'll be some interesting gamesmanship that happens and we'll see what happens that's that's the fun part so the ones that come to mind for me are the 28 to 3 super bowl the momentum of the patriots and brady surprised that he's involved in this conversation uh they got the ball went continued their third and fourth quarter overtime won the super bowl no more discussion and then in 2019, the Vikings won the toss against the Saints. 
Uh, Kirk Cousins connects with Adam Thielen on a bomb. Uh, Rudolph walks them off. Saints don't even get a chance. I loved it. Of course they did. Uh, then the same postseason, the Chiefs got upended because guess what? Brady went and scored on the first possession of overtime. Uh, this year, Boy Wonder um, was the benefactor because Junior Boy Wonder and Josh Allen didn't get a chance to respond. So those are the four notable occasions where the NFL wants to try to balance the scale the hell with defense. Uh, we're just going to see who can score more touchdowns. Jason, do you have any beef with this rule change? No, I don't. I like it. Uh, I really do like it. Um, and I thought they did a, I never really was a huge fan of the original overtime rule. You know I mean? Cause it never seemed to benefit the team I was cheering for. Um, maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm mistaken. I mean, I'm looking back, but I always thought that every team should. And then when they, 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 they made that adjustment, I'm not sure. I, I, I do believe it was the year that Demarius caught that touchdown yep. against the Steelers in 2011, I think was the year that that where they allowed, um, if you just get a field goal, then the other team gets, gets the opportunity. I, I like it. I mean, I think it's great. Um, for all the reasons that, that you guys have already mentioned and, and probably more, most so like Wes said, um, these, it's going to really show how aggressive some of these younger guys are and how much risk they're willing to take at the, when they do get put into that position, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I think, you know, you know, you just mentioned, um, the, the old, old rules pre 2000 thing. Think about how archaic that sounds now. Win yeah. the coin toss, go get a field goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds yeah. Whole, but that was the way we grew up. Is that yeah. all you need to do is win the to- coin toss and then get within fifty-five yards, and your kicker has a chance. And- well, yeah. And nowadays, nowadays, shoot. I mean, you, you every every kickoff's pretty much a touchback. The team gets it at the twenty-five yard line. They only need to go thirty yards, and that doesn't even <laughs> seem like long anymore. Yeah. No. Right. It's but yeah. It's not that far removed on. Oh man, if we had if we had intense social media back in 2006, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because all all you needed was to win the coin toss, bitch, and you're good. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why it's so uh, it's awesome. So yeah, I I I think once we get into the guts of it next January, uh, it'll be fine. There won't be two complaints. I guess you get a security blanket to know that if your football team is in the playoffs, which is pretty awesome for the two all the the fandoms on this show right now. It's been a while um, that you know if it's the Vikings versus the Rams, the Broncos versus the Chiefs and Mahomes or Stafford get the ball first, you're not screwed. You have a puncher's chance um, to go down there and win. Of course, when I saw the rules change, the only thing I thought about was the, oh, great, we're going to be snake bitten by this bastard now. That was a great tweet. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the yep. guy asked you to elaborate on it. <laughs> Your response was perfect. Oh, I get I get that a lot. But yeah, I can see it now that it's going to it's gonna be like January 15th. The Vikings are going to be playing the Rams. Cousins is going to throw a dime to Jefferson, which in the old rules would have been game over. Somehow, the game will end up like 27-24 Rams. And, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. I mean, Rams I should buy a field goal. I should write the article now. Uh, that's just how cynical you get when you're a Vikings fan. So let's move on and talk about <laughs> a topic that's probably not really important in the grand scheme of things, but I'm ultra uh, just super interested by it because the Seahawks have had quarterback supremacy and immortality for a decade. Now they've offloaded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos and they are going with Drew Locke. At least that's what they say. And it's one of the few teams right now, sans the Panthers, like the Broncos and the Panthers that are at quarterback are like, 
we'll work through it. And I want to know from you guys, because Seattle has become such a bastion of winning football, I'll start with you, Jason. Do you think that they are going to give Drew Locke a fair shake to lead the enterprise? And that's that's your guy. Or do you think that they are going to get Baker Mayfield or find a way to draft Malik Willis? Do you, do you think they enter 2022 giving Locke the QB1 job? Well, you know, it, the, both of those options that you mentioned after the fact come to mind uh, with Baker and then a potential draft pick, um, you know, and obviously Willis is my favorite coming out this year. But, um, you know, all, all the, the reports that I'm actually hearing out of, out of Denver are saying that they got some they got some people within the Seattle uh, organization's ranks that are really high on Drew Locke. Yeah. Now that's the only place I've heard of this through Denver media. So um, obviously that leads me to believe that, you know, it's not just something that they're saying. It's something that Denver knows, you know, because if it was just coach speak and that's just something the organization is doing to rally behind the new guy, I mean, that would have probably made ESPN by now. Yeah. Um, and, and it hasn't. So, I mean, you know, I think I've heard that from a couple of different trusted sources out in Denver. So, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, you know, I mean, I, there's a lot to like with Drew. I mean, are you going to trust him to run the whole show? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's a conundrum, which is, I guess, why we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it, if this was 15 years ago. This I would see this and be like, oh, yeah, good. It's a young guy getting a second chance. But now, unless you're like the Washington commanders, you don't really go into a season with a huge question mark at quarterback. You go in with some sort of plan where you're bridging lock with Matt Corral or something like that. Um, but it's so interesting on lock because he's got the arm for it. He's lovable. And we don't know if Fangio screwed him up. Wes, what do you think? Although he did. Sherman helped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, Seattle's going to run with him this year and see what they have. Um, the We've discussed before how this year's quarterback class isn't that strong. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that they go that way in the draft. Um, this roster has been depleted uh, over the years with poor front office decisions, poor drafting. Uh, you trade two first round picks for a, a fucking safety. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And then you pay him a bag too on top of it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's criminal. It's just, yeah. It, it's absurd. Um, Going to interrupt for just a second to talk about athletic greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose the one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins. Minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and even aging. It's all lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. And then the disclaimer is these statements uh, have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. So they... 
you know, they now have a, a bevy of picks. Um, I think they they ride out the year with Locke. If he shines, they have their quarterback for the future. If he, you know, falters, they'll have hopefully a, a top 10 pick. And then they can couple um, that pick with the Denver pick and, you know, hopefully move up and grab one of the top guys next year. So um, I think the plan's in place. Uh, I believe this year in the draft, they're going to focus on filling out uh, some of those roster holes where they are deficient and uh, they can take it from there. So yeah. per your per your estimation, Wes, that would mean they're going to go into this with Drew Locke, who nobody knows if this mm-hmm. is going to be four and 13 or if this is going to be 10 and seven, because I think that would be with this roster <laughs> would be the ceiling and then a growth year where, all right, this is the guy. But you have to take into consideration the risk that this would be a total rebuild year if indeed Drew Locke sucks. And you think they're prepared to do that? Yeah, I mean, you okay. trade away your franchise, the best yeah. quarterback in your franchise history. I mean, it and most franchises history. Yeah, <laughs> you're screaming rebuild. So I, I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, they are in dire need of restocking and you know figuring out what they have throughout the year, what young pieces they have they want to retain, uh, what veterans they can afford to keep, and so on and so forth. Another thing uh, to keep into or keep in the back of your head is that if they do go 4 and 13 or 5 and 12, then Pete Carroll may become sacrificial at that point. You, you might throw him out and say, all right, like, you know, we, we can't do it without Russ, so we're going to go hire the next young offensive-minded dude. Those are yeah. going to be my questions, though, mm-hmm. but it, it isn't wasn't Carroll wasn't there talks about him this year being on the hot seat? I mean, what what is his forte? Is he, he's a defensive guy, isn't he? Oh yeah, man. he's a defensive yeah. guy. Yeah, um, and uh, USC, right, Wes? USC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm really trying to he figure left out when the ex- sanctions came. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm trying to figure out is he does he have GM duties too? No, uh John Schneider, I believe, is still running. Uh, GM duties. Okay, um, yeah, because I'm trying to figure out why they would bring in um, who's going to take Locke under their wing. Not certainly not Carroll. No, no I don't know their um, offensive coordinator. Yeah, I I feel like they switch their offensive coordinator every two years. So I, I really couldn't tell you who yeah. their guy. The, is. the easiest way for the rest of days to remember this one, Jason, on uh, Pete Carroll specialty is just think Legion of Boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, that's the easiest way to remember it. Um, but the thing is, I, I've always wondered, the Legion of Boone, spectacular, they you know, won the Super Bowl. But you've always wondered, is, is this has just been the Russell Wilson show the whole time? Um, because they kind of like the Vikings. They never get an offensive line worth a damn. Thankfully, Wilson is so good that you can still get to the playoffs despite poor trenches. And I think that's ultimately probably why he was so eager to be traded was that they yeah, wanted. Yeah, well, and they never yeah. let him, they never, and this is a staggering statistic, is they never ever placed in the top 15 in passing attempts. Oh, really? A, yeah. I, I never knew that. They yeah. they basically from from the sounds of what I've saw, they 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 held them back a bit. And to, to your point, the 2013 Super Bowl season, they had a top 10 offense mm-hmm. that year. Yeah, then that was Russ's second year. I I I didn't know specifically that Seahawks stat, but uh, you guys might be able to appreciate why it makes sense because Ben Baldwin 
who tweets out of uh, the athletic and not a Seattle. I think he's either a Seahawks fan or he covers them or both. And he's notorious about bitching about Seattle running the football. And then the NFL in general running the football because the analytics approach to throwing on uh, early down situations leads to wins. So when his team runs it so often, you know, he gets, gets disgruntled. So it makes sense that Seattle runs too much with a top five quarterback per, per him. Yeah. Wow. Well, what about so the 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 next segment that I have follows the steam of this topic is is DK Metcalf uh, he got the the what do you call it the vote of confidence from Pete Carroll yesterday was it where he said that we intend on having Metcalf on this team next year which pretty much means usually when you use the word intend the guy is going to be traded a week later <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, just how it goes the Vikings said it about Diggs the Vikings said it about Percy Harvin uh, well, shit Carroll said it Carol about Wilson, Wilson. Yeah. when you use the I N T E N D S when you say he intends on playing here <laughs> that that means the dude is being shopped <laughs> so uh Wes tell me Metcalf now, if you want Locke to get a fair shake at this, you can't give him a bunch of poop for wide receivers. So I can't figure <laughs> out if they're if, if they trade Metcalf, then you might as well chalk this thing up to four and thirteen, like we talked about. Right. Yeah i I don't see them moving Metcalf. Um, while they could get another Hall of Picks, um, he is one of their young centerpieces to build around. Um. They resigned Rashawn Penny, so he finally showed a little bit of promise after um, really not seeing the field too much due to injury and whatever else was going on with him um, after being a first-round pick. So um, those are two components to build around. And if anybody gets moved out of that wide receiver field, it, it, I think it would be Tyler Lockett. Um, they wouldn't be able to get too much for him, but no, um, you know, they'd at least move him to give him a chance to uh, compete. So I, I, I could see him go to a Green Bay or something like that. Oh, gross! Yeah, I should start preparing for that, huh? <laughs> yeah, they get him on a rookie deal. What is? Does he have to be extended soon? Let's see, twenty nineteen. Yeah, he's coming up next. Oh year. no, no, I'm, I'm talking Lockett. Not. Oh, not, oh, uh, oh, yeah. I don't care if Lockett goes there. That's like Randall yeah. Cobb, glorified Randall Cobb to me. No, I, I think Metcalf stays. Okay, I'm sorry, I misinterpreted that. Yeah, then let's yeah. do that. I'll take that. Uh, Jason, so if Metcalf, if you believe in the efficacy of his uh, trade potential. That's that's clearly a surrender flag by the Seahawks. Do you think that he'll actually be dealt? Because everything this offseason is fair game. Uh, the only thing that would lead me to believe that he would be dealt is that the Seahawks are looking around and seeing these ungodly contracts given to these wide receivers. And they're yeah. like, we, we can't make DK Metcalf the highest paid receiver and still be a winning franchise. <laughs> so we might as well just move on from him and get what we can while we can. Um, that would that would be the only thing that would make sense. I, I personally love DK Metcalf. Um, I don't know because I mean, his, his trade value and his, his value, I think is going to diminish big time this year. I mean, not in my eyes. It won't. I mean, I've seen what he's capable of doing and I think he's a monster, but yeah, I think you even kind of have like a man crush on him. Don't you? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I might, shit, I might pick him first in fantasy again. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I that would be a, the, I mean, is what, when is his, uh, when would he need to be extended this year? Uh, 19, 20, 21, 22. He, the talks should be happening right now. This is the final year of his rookie deal, right, Wes? I believe so. No, excuse me. Next year will be the final year. Next year, yeah. Yeah. This- yeah. So talks should be happening now based yeah. on how things usually work. And I could see him, I mean, you know, resetting the market. I really could um, at this point in time, you know, and then see if Seattle is in fact in the middle of a rebuild um, or, you know, which could take several years. Cause I don't see, I don't see a plan in place there. Um, but um, they're not going to make DK the highest paid receiver. No, well, if you're in a rebuild, or should they? that's if, you, if you're in a rebuild, that's the last thing you want to do. Exactly. Is- so that'd be the one reason I would see, I would think that would be motivation enough from the Seahawks standpoint to, to unload him now, make him some other teams problem because they're not going to be able to take advantage of what he can offer anyway, really this year. Um, you know, we, I mean, Drew Locke will overthrow him, um, you know, and I don't see a coach over there that can really groom Drew. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I wanna, what, what could you get for him in a trade? Do you think? I think. Half? I, yeah. Oh yeah. Let's see. Cause he'd still have those two years of cost control. I mean, so that would play in. Yeah. Well, but then he would immediately get a big extension, but yeah, you're right. Those, those two years would be cheap. Uh, Wes, I'm going to say this and you'll probably say it's, I don't know. I'm going to say a first and a fourth. Is that too cheap? Maybe. Um, I think he'd get a a similar haul to, um, like a, like Tyreek or Devonte okay. Adams. Okay. Um, he's younger than them. Um, if he were traded right now, he would still have, you know, those two years of uh, team control and then the fifth year option. So that contract wouldn't really need to kick in or be negotiated until, um, you know, that fifth year is when I believe they would want that contract to hit. Um, so yeah, I, if you were traded right now in this moment, uh, I think they could probably get, a Tariq style deal, if not a little bit richer. And so you put that together with all the stuff they acquired for Wilson. That's a, oh man, that's a lot. Yeah. That's making right of the, the Adams trade. I can't remember. Was that thing panned immediately? Or do we have to wait until we figured out that it was too expensive? Um, what were the details of that one again? <laughs> it was two, two first. <laughs> um, and what's Jeez. crazy Jeez. is um, Minka Fitzpatrick, he had gotten traded either uh, that same year. I, I think it was before uh, from Miami to Pittsburgh and uh Pittsburgh traded a first and a fifth, and I think got back a fourth and Minka Fitzpatrick. And then um, Seattle comes in and is like, oh, we'll do two first round picks for uh, Jamal Adams. And Amazing. Adams is a in the box safety a la Cam Chancellor, which, yeah, you know, great, but 
Minka can at least cover and do things a, a safety, a regular safety is supposed to do. See, and at that time, like, so the trade sucked. There's no other way around it. I mean, it was doomed from the beginning because you're giving up that much for a safety. But at the time, they were Super Bowl contenders, or at least they perceived themselves as such. So they were kind of being bullies like the Rams, where they were like, oh, yeah, well, we want to win now. So we're going to go get our you know, MVP on defense, and we're going to be set. So, of course, in, in retrospect, it's like, what were you thinking? And that's fair. Even at the time, you can say, like, that's some messed up stuff. But I think that now we're looking at them through the lens of like, man, they traded all that for Jamal Adams. Well, at the time, they were supposed to be NFC championship bound every year. Uh, The thing I want to point out about this budding conversation about Metcalf, is he going to get 30 million per year? We talked about this on my last show uh, about the Vikings is that suddenly there is this dynamic where teams are having a hard time paying the quarterback and the wide receiver. It dates back to Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Now we see it with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, whether or not they were telling the truth about being able to sign both, but the guy wanted out. Out of nowhere last week, we saw Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. We're going to get to Diggs here in a minute. If he's truly disgruntled, it's probably because they don't want to spend $30 million on him because they just gave money to Josh Allen. But there is this trend or this problem that's starting that general managers might be like oh shit we're gonna pay the quarterback 45 million and now we got to pay the wide receiver 30 million that is 40 percent of our cap and you're already seeing rightfully so quarterbacks choosing the quarterback or excuse me general managers choosing the quarterback and in Mahomes' case they're like he's good he'll figure it out so <laughs> we got yeah. juju mvs and whatever dudes they have that nobody even really remembers Nicole hardman um, and that they trust the quarterback to figure it out. But keep an eye on that trend. Um, I can't think of an example. I'm sure there is one. But when has a guy got top tier money, which is now 40 to 50 million, and bada bing, the water wide receiver also got 20 to 30 million? Never. It's team building. And that is, it's going to be really cool if, if, if our, our talkers on these shows are which one are they going to pay? Because it's like uh, if you pick the wide receiver, Wes, which the Vikings will probably have to do here in a year or two, then then you got it's one or the other. The way that this is trending, yeah. Unless you, unless you're the Broncos and you have George Payton, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's not undercount what he did with Sutton and Patrick last yeah, year. That's true, but the, but the <laughs> yeah. thing the, the only problem with that, Jason, is that if Sutton blows up sixteen hundred yards, twelve touchdowns, he's going to want a new deal. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. And that's what's going on. This is a perfect segue. I'm going to pat myself on the back to the digs conversation. But he can want a new deal all he wants. He's good through 2024. Well, that's what you say until these dudes just don't (laughs) play games and they force themselves out of town. (laughs) Like These these aren't contracts that you and I would have with the bank. These these are fluid like NFL contracts that basically are guaranteed for two years and that's it. Um, I mean, it would be awesome if I could waltz into my mortgage officer and be like, we're going to make this cheaper for me. And yeah, they yeah, would tell me yeah. to screw off. Well, we got one good thing coming uh, in Denver, though. Six fucking years of darkness. <laughs> it makes these guys really appreciate what they do get. Yeah. And it's going to really make them appreciate winning. They've both Patrick and Sutton already restructured. Yeah, that's which that, is which is the Russell Wilson effect. 
Yeah, that is that is that is correct. But let's go back to <laughs> let's start on digs, I should say, because uh Wes, we lived this from about October of 2019 until April of 2020. <clears throat> the guy mm-hmm. tweets stuff that he claims are song lyrics that uh express disgruntlement <laughs> and they're ultra cryptic, and it sounds like he is a pissed off wide receiver ultimately led to his exodus from the Vikings. He was traded for what would turn out to be Justin Jefferson. Now per average annual salary, Stefan Diggs is the 21st highest paid wide receiver in football. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? He's not happy about it, or at least his tweets imply it. Seemingly each day, he's got something weird that says like, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. Those kinds of tweets that make bills fans think, Oh God, the Vikings fans were right about this guy. So Wes, let me know, am I, am I overblowing the Diggs tweets or is he starting up again to get what he wants? No, he's definitely starting up again <laughs> to get what he wants. Um, looks like this year he carries just shy of $18 million in a cap pit uh, and then a little over $18 million next year, uh, which will be the last year of his deal when he is 30 years old. I uh, slated to be a free agent uh, when he's uh, 31 years old. So he's looking at all this money flying around and saying, I need to cash in and I need to cash in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically wide receivers, when they get to age 30, they start to uh, digress. So uh, talent wise anyway. So he is, you know, seeing a situation unfold in front of him and he's wanting to make sure he capitalizes on it for, um, himself and his uh future jason Diggs. i don't know if you followed the tweets do you think this ends in a contract extension a trade or tough shit <laughs> tough shit that's it <laughs> yeah man well i mean we've talked about it on this show several times i you know how i feel about when the wide receivers get up to that 30 year old 30 year mark um you know i it's it's very interesting to me how and I, I really honestly can't believe I'm asking this, but how good of a season did he have last year? Upper echelon. It wasn't as good as 2020, but it no, was, I didn't think so. Yep. But it was what do you have? Uh, double digit touchdowns. No, he never does that. Let me go get the numbers. Hold on. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I remember. I don't remember him anywhere near as explosive last year as he was the prior year. Oh, I guess this this was his first year with 10 touchdowns. He had 10 touchdowns and 1,225 yards. Uh, okay, yeah. So 2020, good. it was 1,535 yards and eight touchdowns. So, I mean, oh. yeah, still still a damn good wide receiver. Oh, heck yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's it's interesting to see what what's going to make make of this. I, if, I don't know a whole lot about him other than what I've seen from um, you know, well, you guys, and then now, I mean, yeah, I agree with everything Wes just said. He's gonna want to get some moolah before his career is over, and that's gonna happen probably within the next three to four years if we follow the history. Uh, here's the deal could happen uh, within two, <laughs> yeah. So, Diggs is let me make sure I got this right. Diggs is 28, and he'll be 29 right around Thanksgiving oh. of this year. <clears throat> so Right now, Brandon Bean, the general manager, has Stefan Diggs under contract for two more years, and this is a Rick Spielman special. Uh, it is a team-friendly deal. Spielman had this incredible gift to recognize when players were about to jump out to Pro Bowl stardom 
pay them the year beforehand, make them feel ultra important with a deal that in few years wouldn't be all that great. He did it for Adam Thielen. He did it for Stefan Diggs. He did it for Eric Kendricks. He did it for this dude. So uh, Brandon Bean, when he traded for this guy, probably didn't know he was going to be quite this good and says, well, God, yeah, we got him until age 30 uh, and he'll be making 14.4 million. Well, the market passed that conversation by. But even Brandon Bean said this week or the week before that Diggs is under contract for two years. I don't know why we're talking about this. And it's just like we talked about with real life contracts. We can't march into uh, our student loan office and say, get rid of them. That doesn't yeah. work that way. Uh, and being his toe in the line as if like, this is a contract, homie. So we're good. Uh, right now, these players have the empowerment to say, nope, you're going to, you're going to fix this because Tyreek Hill just got 28 million, whatever it was, or was it four years, 120? Yeah, he got. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So there's absolutely no, uh, it, it it's, it's no coincidence that Hill goes off the board traded and Devonta Adams goes off the board traded. Bada bing, they both get $30 million per year. Diggs is getting less than half of that. So the yeah. cryptic tweets start once he becomes severely underpaid. And it's not going to stop until he gets more money or he forces himself out. That's true. And we should all be blaming Christian Kirk for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still, man, that's incredible. I mean, his agent, agents, dudes named Kirk, they got it made. <laughs> yeah. well, even doing. when Kirk was rolling year to year on the franchise tag, he still played out pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I swear in retrospect, like because he's such a nice guy with the dad persona, he's like the only guy in NFL history that got the franchise tag and was like, oh, sweet. This is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, get, I get my 18, 20 million per year, baby, and I'll prove it. Uh, well, but- and then that three years in a row <laughs> with the franchise tag, that turned into be the most lucrative three-year span for any player in that mm-hmm. time, I think, didn't it? Yeah, it was. So the the, all, the knock on that procedure is always going to be um, if you get injured, you're screwed. And, you know, if you, you're career-ending injury, you're screwed. And that's why players don't like it. And Cousins, so damn durable, like, you know, just doesn't get hurt. He got COVID <laughs> once, but he doesn't get hurt. And so something, so he so he was probably just happy making bank. Now, of course, he would have liked to have a long-term deal, but Stan Snyder wouldn't get married to him. So ultimately, he ended up with the Vikings, and is just to stick it to past transgressions, he gets a sweet-ass deal every two years that people get to complain about. If you think about it, if you think about it, every single dime of Kirk Cousins' money for the first six years in the league or seven or whatever it was, three years with the uh, Washington and then the first contract with the Vikings is all guaranteed. It's all, it, it's, it's all been guaranteed yeah. Yeah. since he got his first franchise tag in 2015 or 16. Every <laughs> single contract he paid. <laughs> That, you know, people call him the most shrewd businessman in America. Well, it's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically, the Vikings just gave him a, the same thing Washington did. Just made it a three-year franchise yeah. tag. Yeah, they did. Right. Yeah, and uh, I'm Wes. I'm sure you saw this. the The Ravens general manager tweeted he was skeptical about Deshaun Watson's deal because it was the first fully guaranteed deal in history. Right. Yeah, and we're all looking around and like, whoa, wait a <laughs> second. We had to go to war to defend this contract three years ago. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it looks so small now. Oh yeah. 28 million a year. It's and, and just <laughs> right now, if, if, if we're chatting in 2025, March, 2025, we're going to laugh 
at $40 million contracts. Oh, you know, yeah. And we're going to be talking about is Drew Locke worth 40 million because, you know, Joe Burrow just got 65. That's how <laughs> wild this thing is going to get with TV money and gambling money. Yeah, yeah that's true. All right, let's Man. move on to the draft because we are less than one month away. And Wes, I've asked you this before, but now that we're starting to get to the quintessential time for absolute draft hype, uh, I'm starting to look at mock drafts, my friend, and I'm seeing a whole lot of quarterbacks wiggling up the snake. And um, I don't know if that's just the ones I'm reading, but I'm seeing crazy stuff, my friend, like Malik Willis going number two to the Lions. Do you think that that type of momentum via quarterback is going to come to fruition? Or what should we expect with quarterbacks in round one? Uh, quarterbacks round one, I will put the over under at two and a half on that. Okay. So you got what Malik Willis and Matt Corral, uh, Malik Willis and Pickett. Okay. And you don't think any of the other dudes, they, they get stolen by the, the Steelers or something. Cause if you, let's look at the, this is my next topic, but we should probably merge these into two right now. And let me know if I'm forgetting any, the lions, Falcons, Panthers. I don't know why for Washington in here, perhaps Washington, probably not uh, Texans, Lions, Falcons, Panthers, maybe Texans, those teams, Steelers, Trubisky, they need quarterbacks, right? Like Mm -hmm. rookies. And they're either going to bide their time and get these dudes in the second or third round if they fall, or they're going to wait until next year when it's supposed to be very handsome for quarterbacks. So um, you only got two going. Where are they going? 2.5. No idea where they're going to go. Okay, Probably Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will if they can get Willis, um, I think they'll they'll take him. Um, I don't know if Detroit goes that way in the first round. I don't believe they do. Um, I could see a team like Detroit trading up with Kansas City at the back end of round one um, for a picket or for a, a howl, something like that. But um, – and the only reason they do that is for the fifth year option. But um, yeah, I, I think a lot of teams are relatively set at quarterback. And I, I say that very loosely. Um, there's always a, a need to improve at that position if you don't have a franchise quarterback. But um, I'm not seeing a franchise quarterback uh, as of yet out of this class. And and so that's the reason I'm saying these teams are probably set. Um, they would rather go elsewhere in the first round to to fill other needs. See, I I agree with the thought process. And if I was a general manager, I would be there with you. However, the problem is when you look at a solid draft class, which we were told in 2018 was phenomenal. And it turns out Baker, Darnold, and Josh Rosen, no. Josh Allen was the only dude and he and Lamar Jackson, only guys, but we were told that class was robust. So it's almost to me like, well, now that we're supposed to have a week one, general managers are going to get hoodwinked into believing that this one will turn out to be good. And I, th- I think there is just a eternal fascination with being able to find the right guy that I think two and a half is low. Jason, do you think it's low? I do. I do. I, I mean, I honestly, I, I, I agree with what you just said. I mean, I don't really put too much stock into what the experts say 
in terms of a weak or a strong quarterback class, um, I think it needs to be the right fit, the right situation. Um, it doesn't matter how good somebody is or how bad somebody is. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the organization, the the coaching, of course, uh, having a young guy or a, a wise guy that can groom whomever they pick, you know, somebody that has a plan for these guys. Um, and I think that this class has just as, is just as capable of, of impressing as, as any other class, I mean, that we talk about. Um, last year, they were talking about four people, five people being in, in the top five or in the in the first round. And and I remember saying on this show even, I, I didn't have any real faith in any of them. <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, it's hard saying really. It's, 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 but I can see, I can see, I can see it being just like last year. It may be even more pay, more go in the first round than last year. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, th- this will be the, the true precedent setter that if we're chatting the week after the draft on a Wednesday night and Wes, I was like, remember what you said? 2.5. Well, six of them went or something crazy like that. Then that this is just the way we do things from now on. Like it doesn't yeah. matter how strong or weak the class is every team, you know, there's always going to be about five teams that could stand to get better. At least five teams in the NFL at quarterback, and they're going to use the first round for it, hell or high water. But uh, Wes is rarely wrong on these topics, so we'll see how the and th- these next three weeks are huge because that's when all the momentum uh, starts to creep up. Yep. Our yeah, were you going to say something, sir? No, no, that was it. Okay, I, our final topic for the night. I want to talk about off-season winners. Uh, we don't have to do losers this week. Um, but for free agency, I don't know if it's put to bed, but, uh, the, the three big waves, uh, the three weeks of free agency are behind us and teams will continue to fill out the rosters with some of like Stephen Gilmore's big names, but the the bulk of the action is in the rear view. So, uh, I want to know who improved the most via roster this offseason. And if your answer is the Broncos, I also want a second one. Um, I'll start because I do think the Broncos did win based on getting Russell Wilson. And it's only because they have not reached the postseason since 2015. They needed something emphatically to say, we're done doing the same thing over and over. In theory, we could go with Locke again, but that's probably a 9-8, and 10-7 and seven ceiling. So I enjoy that they they traded a, a fairly handsome compensation package for a quarterback. And now they're, unless there's injuries, they're going to be set for the next five years and probably longer. Um, and I'm sure everybody on the show agrees with that. But I also want to call out that the, the Bengals, even though they are just getting new to this upper crust of NFL power rankings, they realized what went wrong for them in the Super Bowl, just like what happened to the Chiefs two Super Bowls ago that Joe Burrow needs to stay upright and you don't want him to snap another ACL. So they went out and rebuilt their offensive line. And I will always find that fascinating because that is how you get to the playoffs and ultimately Super Bowl is when you have trenches. So I want to call out the, the Bengals. And then also secondarily, the Chargers had a pretty sweet offseason. They added a bunch of playmakers on defense with Cleo Mack and uh, which corner did they get? They got a sweet corner. I can't remember. I'll have to go look it up. Uh, Jason, I know you got the Broncos. Who else? Or tell me why the Broncos and tell me who else. Yeah, I think the Broncos, um, I thought, started their free agency back in the regular season when they inked uh, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton to those team-friendly deals. Um, generous deals for both of those guys. Um, and we actually had, 
you know, people in the Denver fan base are like, what is, what is, what are they doing? Them guys can't, because they look at stats, right? I mean, if you're not watching the Broncos play, you're looking at stats at the end of the year. And that's, that's all you're seeing. Um, you know, we can't even get a quarterback to throw these guys. George Payton didn't sign those guys so they could play again with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, you know? So I thought those, those moves are huge. And then the, the coaching moves that they've, they've made, um, aside from obviously the Russell Wilson thing, Randy Gregory, I think they made some big splashes, but I think every team in the AFC West chargers Raiders have both improved drastically. Um, chiefs kind of took a step back a little. Um, I agree with the Bengals a lot as well. Shoring up that offensive line, saw what was broke, went and fixed it, or at least addressed it. Hopefully he doesn't turn it into Juwan James. Um, and, um, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm a, I'm just such a believer in in the head coaching position, and you can't really say that these guys are good additions until you see them out there and you see what they can do. But I, I think the Vikings took a step up too with the coaching. Mm-hmm. That's big. That's such. That's so big for me. Getting yeah. the right guy in there is probably the obviously the most important thing that a team could do. I feel really good about about that pick uh, as head coach um, and our pick. So. It's interesting that you say that um, because Wes can see this from uh, the driver's seat view of the Vikings is that everything, every little move they've made since January 10th when they fired their general manager and coach, they have basically kept the core guys intact. They added Zedarius Smith, which is pretty splashy, but every move that they make have made is under the pretense that Mike Zimmer was the sole problem (laughs) in 2021 because the owner on three occasions has vocally come out and said, we are in it to win it. Uh, he's not a fan of rebuilds, at least not right now. And they, everything they've done is keeping the same roster intact. And they basically, yeah. through implication, are saying that we had one problem. It was the head coach. And so hopefully you're right, Jason, because if, he, if one guy in his coaching staff can turn it around, it's the same group. <laughs> yeah. Same yeah. Players. I mean, it's, 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 it's huge. I mean, I think. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough when you're coaching uh, from a defensive standpoint. I mean, it's one thing to be a defensive-minded coach, but it's a whole other thing to completely ignore the <laughs> offense. Um, you or have know, it get you, on your nerves, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, almost bother you <laughs> to a point where you want to go out of your way to make it hard on those guys, right? We, it's, it's like one of those bosses that we all hate working for. You know, dude, you're constantly on my back. Going out of your way to make my day miserable. (laughs) Uh, Wes, the guy I was thinking of was J.C. Jackson to the Chargers. So they got J.C. Jackson, uh, Cleo Mack, and even some some more dudes too. All right, so I think you're impressed with the Broncos offseason, if you're not correct. Okay, and if it's the Bengals, if it's Chargers, that's fine. But who else has won the offseason? I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Um, They bring in a a young offensive-minded coach from the Shanahan tree, and they just – totally revamp that offense they bring in two uh offensive tackles to shore up the offensive line and connor williams and teron armstead uh they trade for tyreek hill uh they drafted uh waddle last year that's right Uh, they also signed uh cedric wilson jr uh which is probably going to make parker available uh via trade and then uh, they signed Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert uh, for the backfield. So they reloaded. Uh, that defense was already 
uh, pretty good, pretty young. Um, I, I really like what Miami did. Is Gaiseki still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They cool. uh, they tagged him. Uh, yeah, that's right. So I yeah, love those I, moves as well, Wes. But let me ask you something. Do you think that that could it could be reminiscent of uh, what was it two years ago? Two years ago when with Baker and the Browns when they brought in Odell had Landry and all those guys. Do you think it could be anything at all like that? Or is you think uh, Tua and kind of puts them in a better, more stable spot and they'll be able to hit the ground running? I, I think uh, what Tua brings is a little more dynamic than what Baker was offering. Um, and then also the the receivers are different. Yeah, that's um, true. Very true. Both Waddle and um, Tyreek had top five numbers in uh, speed off the line or, or separation from their man. And I believe Tua is known for being able to fit the ball into tight windows. So um, I think he had one of the quickest releases off the line. So I, I think they're going to devise an offense that plays in space and, and use utilize plays that um, take advantage of that space, bubble screens, um, you know, fades, sweeps. I imagine that they're going to get really tricky with the offense. And um, I know there's a lot of hubbub about Tua's deep ball. Uh, Part of that's just, you know, he didn't have the receivers that could get the separation. Devontae Parker's not separating from anybody. So, um, you know, maybe he, he does try a deep ball with, these guys taking the top off the defense. So yeah, he never had much of a problem throwing it deep when he had Judy and rugs. Did he? No. I mean, I, I remember watching highlights of that team. I mean, he was always making it for a few deep balls from what I remember. Anyway, that team was freaking stacked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in our, uh, in our final factoid getting off air here. So take all of Wes's context on Miami dolphins, offense, a new head coach, was like a hipster that's yeah. super cool like you can't help but yeah. like him he's like a comedian on top of being a head coach then you add speed coming out your ears you got guy still in the middle you have two bookend tackles their offensive line sucked last year but here's the thing by the way per epa played defensive analytics they were the eighth best defense in football so i don't think they've had a mass departure of defensive talent so mm-hmm. you're kind of marrying both worlds that they had a top 10 defense last year they have a quarterback who they hope takes the next year three step. And then boom, you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle who are speed merchants. So yeah, yes. let's not forget it. Let's not forget one of the league's longest winning streaks last oh, year. Oh yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. yeah. I, this is almost, I, I, for this conversation, these four minutes, I've completely forgot that Flores was fired after having one of the coolest <laughs> win streaks in history. Unbelievable. Uh, after uh, what was, I guess it'd be rags to riches inside of a season, but now he's with the Steelers and maybe he'll get some payback. All right, gentlemen, we will be back in one week on Wednesday, probably going over topics akin to this, and then maybe we can get into some mock draft territory the following week. Uh, Maybe we can get Cody on here, Wes, and do like a four-person mock or something like that. Sounds good. All right, gentlemen, have a good week. Cool. Hey, you guys too, man. Later. Later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.